1: Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Press Zone podcast right here on the AHL Report, part of Rocket Sports Media and a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's a beautiful Tuesday. We hope you're uh, having a great week so far and we've got a great episode for you today. I am your host of the show, also the lead correspondent at AHLReport.com. My name is Amy Johnson and I'm joined each and every week in the studio by my tremendous co-host. He's our president founder and editor in chief across all of our rocket sports media platforms and he's the one and only Rick Stevens how are you doing today sir
2: good afternoon doing well we are getting we are getting to the end we're getting close to the uh, ultimate prize in 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 all the hockey leagues, uh, about to begin the Stanley Cup Final, yeah, very close to the uh, knowing who the Calder Cup finalists will be, and kind of um, we're we're learning who the Memorial Cup finalists will be, and and I think we're going to talk about most of that today.
1: I think we are. Uh, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's also mid June, so <laughs> I guess it's uh, I guess It's, it's timely. yeah I, I think it's time to. Uh, <laughs> I think it's time for these things to move along folks move along let's go now let's get these championships won uh yeah we've got a lot to talk about today you've got some Montreal Canadiens news uh, as far as uh, a new contract uh, that we want to talk about but uh, the bulk of our first segment is going to be spent on the Laval Rocket as they continue their bid for the Calder Cup keep plugging along there's Still hanging in there. Um, the series is is tied right now, uh, and so we're going to get you all caught up on on what's been going on there. Bring you some audio from head coach JF Uhl, from Danik Martel, from goaltender Caden Primo, and just talk to you a bit about uh, the most recent uh, game and and the last couple of games and get you set up for what's to come. Uh, in addition, uh, have some Habs prospect news because, uh, yes, one uh, one of the junior hockey leagues has wrapped up their season, and it was a pretty big night for a certain Habs prospect. So we're going to talk about that all in the first segment. And then in the second segment, our dear friend and colleague, Patrick Williams, the AHL guru uh, He's going to be here with us for another edition of the AHL Hot Stove. We're gonna—he's gonna also talk to us a bit about about how Laval has been doing, Laval and Springfield, how they've been doing uh, in these Calder uh, Eastern Conference Final games. Excuse me, and also get us completely caught up on what's been happening in the Western Conference Final series between Stockton and Chicago. So, lots of good stuff to talk about today. That's great. Uh, First and foremost, kind of a bit of breaking news for the Montreal Canadiens this afternoon. Um, We saw Chris Weidman get a uh, contract extension last week. Well, uh, Otto Leskinen has been signed to a one-year, two-way contract. Uh, and Rick, I have to say, I'm, uh, I, you know, I was pleased with the Weidman signing and I'm pleased with this signing as well. Otto Luskanen, uh was one of the better young defenders uh, that that last season that Joel Bouchard was uh, behind the bench in Laval. And I think it's uh, it's going to be a great addition um, for him to come back and and kind of, you know, have the option to play either in the NHL or the, or the AHL. And uh, well, I guess we could say the, the competition list on the blue line continues to grow (laughs) for this fall's training camp.
2: And it's (laughs) a depth signing for sure. Um, Otto Leskinen played uh, two full seasons uh, as they were with, with the Laval rocket uh, 1920 season and the 2020, 21 season. So he has about 85 games of AHL experience, even got into six NHL games Um, And that last season uh, with uh, Joel Bouchard and and Laval, he was probably um, uh, Laval's best defenseman Mm -hmm. um, uh, at that point. Uh, Last year, he was uh, for the most part in, in the KHL. Uh, but with Jokerit, and, and then with the, uh, the, the problems in the world, uh, he, he went uh, back home to Finland, played for Liga again. Uh, so he's, he's got 35 games of KHL experience, uh, over 200 games with, uh, the league in Finland. And so lots of pro experience, 25 years old and, uh. This is a this is a good sign. This this could be this the start of a real turnover uh, in Laval, and and nothing against the current squad because they're They're obviously doing uh, well. (laughs) They're one game away from the Calder Cup final, but we'd like to see uh, a lot more of of that roster taken up uh, by prospects. Um, and uh, this this is a good start towards that
1: absolutely so I'm pleased with that we'll uh, we'll bring you more on that as it comes uh, but as you mentioned the Laval rocket is just one game away from reaching the Calder Cup final yes that's right the series with the Springfield Thunderbirds is tied three-3 uh, Laval with their backs against the wall last night uh, managed to to come back uh Managed to to put up a win to extend their season one more game and force a Game 7 um, to decide which one of them will advance to the final. Uh, really, this whole series has been a series of back and forths. Uh, ever since Game 1 in this series, uh, these two teams have alternated wins. Not a single time has a team won back-to-back in the six games played in this series. So the big question now will be, Will that trend continue and that would mean that game seven would go to Springfield Uh, or will Laval buck the trend for the first time in this series and win back to back to take the Eastern conference final title. So uh, very uh, it'll be very, very interesting to see uh, how that happens Springfield has been alternating goaltenders as well. They've they've gone back and forth between Charlie Lindgren and Joel Hofer in just about every game. Uh, expect that they will likely probably do the same thing again on Wednesday, which means Charlie Lindgren would be in, mat, in net. Uh, Laval hasn't been doing that. They've gone with Caden Primo since Game 2 of the Syracuse series, which is the first series of the, of the playoffs. So Kevin Poulin has played one game. He played the first game in the postseason, and he's been the backup ever since. So... Um, and I don't expect that to change uh, for Wednesday either. Uh, Rick, we saw on Saturday, uh, the last home game of the series for Laval, uh, after after losing losing a game and winning a game uh, at at home in this series, uh, they gave up a two goal lead on Saturday in front of their home crowd of more than 10,000 boisterous fans uh and ended up losing in overtime and that's what uh allowed Springfield to take this series back to Massachusetts with a 3-2 lead um but quite frankly I don't know would you agree for a game six uh on Monday night where Springfield could clinch the series and get a little bit of rest before the Calder Cup final started on home ice uh they looked a little um I don't know I don't want to say unmotivated, but they certainly didn't look uh, energetic and like they had something to prove.
2: No, not at all. Um, It's been it's been really hard to predict uh, this this whole series. Yeah. And as you said, it's gone back and forth, um, alternating um, wins. um, and, And even within the games, you know, there's been games where uh Laval has had a two-goal lead and lost and and games where Springfield's had a two-goal lead and lost. So mm. um it, it's it's very very hard to predict and after all of the uh emotion in in Laval uh after all the feistiness um on Monday it was it was a lazy low event game. Um fans were very quiet. Uh Springfield was was quiet. Um, and they seemed to be, you know, t- uh, taking their time, being patient, uh, passing up on on good opportunities, um, and and seemed like they they'd rather be anywhere other than playing hockey and playing for a chance. They had a real opportunity to close it out and, mm-hmm. and move on to the Calder Cup final, and there was no intensity on the Springfield side whatsoever, um, and and you know. M- m- this, this series this series has been physical. It's been fatiguing. Um, I said it was a real advantage for Laval in, um, for those home games, those, those three home games they had in a row in the middle of the, of the series. Uh, they didn't take advantage of that. And other than the, the giant gift that they got from the officials, uh, they could have lost all three games um, and, and the series would have been over. Uh, I, I don't think there's any any argument that Springfield has been the better team throughout this series, um, but Springfield at times has just just not looked as motivated as as they should be, and and I, I think the other rather obvious uh, point to make here is that uh, Laval, at, you know. JF Wool has been motivating by emotion and creating that tension. I think he knows uh, that talent-wise, they don't measure up to Springfield. Um, but um, he's got his guys revved up. He's using uh, to the fullest extent. He's using the trash talkers. Uh, you see them out there all the time. The Danik Martels and Alex Belzile's the, the the two of those uh, gentlemen lead uh, the Calder Cup playoffs in in penalties. Uh, Cedric Paquette and, and 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 a host of others, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Laval's been running roughshod and and uh, and taking a lot of penalties, and Springfield's done nothing to answer their yeah. their power play, which had had propelled them into this uh, series. Uh, has been a dud uh, throughout this series. And that's why we are where we are going into a, a game seven.
1: Absolutely. You know, and there's, you know, things like uh, we've seen uh, Laval's taken advantage of the fact that Springfield doesn't seem to be making a concerted effort to get in closer to the net, to take their shots. They're shooting a lot from the perimeter, which is, is not the way to get Caden Primo off, uh, off kilter. Um, you have to get in close to him and get him going uh, coast to coast, kind of getting, get him going East, West a bit. Um, um, so, so it's, it's, they've taken advantage of that. Um, Springfield, yeah, had no urgency, didn't seem to have a lot of motivation. In fact, when I spoke to Drew Bannister, a head coach for Springfield after the game, uh, last night, he said, yeah, he said, I, I didn't think that, I didn't think that my guys had, uh, a ton of energy tonight. And, and that's not what you want to hear, um, uh, in a game six situation where you could have taken the series, uh, and you're, and you've got home ice advantage. So, um, when when reporters spoke to Danik Martel uh, after the game last night uh, in Game Six, um, asked him his opinion. You know, so okay, this is this is what you guys were given tonight. Um, how do you replicate this again on Wednesday to make sure that you come out with a win? And this is what he had to say:
0: I think we need to play the same game as we did today. Uh, we didn't panic. We it, it doesn't have to be a nice game on the road. Uh, it's got to be a grinding game and uh couple bad bounds for us and uh we're gonna get a couple goals so uh just not panic and keep playing hard
2: yeah a little bit disingenuous there um um uh, it doesn't matter whether they're at home or on the road the the winning formula happens one way for laval um that is get a lead Uh, Mm -hmm. get that first goal go all out get the first goal and then, um, you know, turn everything over to... Uh, J.F. Wool has clearly uh, been the better head coach in, in uh, this yes. series. Massively outcoached. By Miles, yeah. Um, Drew Bannister. But um, he also has a pretty uh, a good supporting cast. And Martin LaPerriere, uh and the the kind of game plan that he's put together to uh just locked down uh, from the center center line on back um, once they get the lead they they give up nothing they give up absolutely nothing and Caden primo is is getting more confident he's getting lots of praise his numbers look rather gaudy uh, for the way he's played but uh, he's he's not really been uh, tested in those games where, you know, the game three, Caden um, Primo was awful. Um, but in, 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 in the games where uh, Laval has been able to go out, uh, play their game, get the lead, then shut everything down, Caden uh, Primo has been an afterthought.
1: Yeah, and we're we're actually gonna talk about Primo here in, in just a moment. Um, kind of going back to what Martel was saying, the one thing that he did mention was that they didn't panic. Uh, and so uh when I spoke to JFO last night, asked him um if he felt if he had felt that there was any panic in the room. Um and he was he was pretty high on uh the demeanor of his bench going into such an important game where their season was on the line.
3: Very calm. You know, I, I would say that uh, it's probably the calmest that we've we've been in the in the sixth game we've played. I, there was uh, a good calmness, and the, the players were confident. And after we got that first goal, I thought uh, you know the the leaders did a good job to calm everybody down and uh, and play well. We we played a patient game. We waited for the right times to pounce on the, on the puck, and we waited for them to make mistakes tonight. It's like a chess game a little bit, and uh, it, it worked in our favor tonight.
2: But uh, the key is getting that. For they Laval couldn't have played that game, couldn't have played a patient game, couldn't have played a op- opportunist type game where they capitalize on the mistakes. If it was not for that first goal, the first goal was key, and then Laval was able to play their game. And playing their game, they felt comfortable, they felt confident, they felt calm. Um, but the key is getting that first goal.
1: And we've seen that when Springfield does have a lead, they play completely differently, and they are much more difficult to stop uh, once they play with a lead. So, so yes, I, I definitely agree with you there. Uh, you mentioned uh, as well uh, Springfield hasn't been effective on the power play yet, which, quite frankly, going into this series is probably the biggest shock of of anything of what's come out of this series. Coming into the conference final, Springfield had the best power play uh, in in the playoffs um, and very effective on the man advantage and there's something like zero 28 or something like that in this series they have not scored yet on the power play against Laval um, Drew Bannister talked a bit about uh, one of the big one of the big factors is they're not getting second chances um, and not, uh, not forcing second chances, and the second chances that are there, Laval's getting to them first. Uh, when asked about his thoughts on what's made the penalty kill so effective so far for his squad, J.F. Wool had this to say.
3: Well, the goalie is obviously your best peak here. Uh, our assistant coach, Martin Laparia, does a great job uh, putting all that together. And, uh, you know, our defense block shots as well. It's just a t- a good team effort, and that, that's the way we're built as a team. So, uh, for sure, the the you know the PK is uh, good for us right now.
2: In the last round, he added in their good sticks, and and I think that's the key is Laval is blocking so many shots yeah. and and disrupting so many passes with their good sticks. Is uh, that um, you can see that Springfield is gun shy. They're they're uh, frustrated. Um, and so they don't want to be, the, the, the shots are, um, are, are not high, high quality, good scoring uh, chances. They're, they're taking shots and putting them into legs uh, and they're overpassing and, and that is an opportunity for, for Laval to disrupt um it's and and when a shot gets through um that's right that you know it's La- Laval who's getting to uh the rebound uh n- not the Springfield uh team at all
1: no they haven't been you know he mentioned there of course your goaltender is a big factor on on your pK and that and that is true um you you alluded to this earlier that primo's kind of uh, really being heralded uh not only in this series but throughout the playoffs as we said he has started every single game since the second game of the postseason for Laval, um, And while, yes, I will certainly give Caden Primo credit that he is, he is looking um, much more confident than he was in the regular season. Uh, and he is, he's coming up with some big saves uh, on breakaways and so forth when needed. Um, however, um, there are times that you still see a little bit of of bad positioning, or a little bit of times where uh, he loses uh, he, he loses track of the puck. Um, so there are there are weaknesses there. Um, he's also had uh, you know there's there's been nights that there was a couple of those OT games. You know was almost like back to back nights of almost 50 shots against. Uh, so yeah, that's a lot that he's that he's uh, dealing with. Um, In addition to that, though, the defense, as we as we just got done saying, has been blocking an enormous amount of shots. So he's getting he is I mean, the defense has probably been the best asset of the Laval rocket um, since the beginning of the season. The defense has been the one big strength that J.F. Wool hasn't tinkered with very much. Uh, he's he's relied on them and they have come come through in a very big way in the playoffs. Uh, basically becoming one of the toughest defenses to crack. Um, in order to even try to get to Caden Primo. Um So. When Primo came to the mic last night to talk about, uh, you know, the win and the series, he had a few things to say, one of which, you know, he's he's had, as I mentioned, he's had some big saves uh, on some breakaways. One of those was last night against former Montreal prospect Will Bitten, uh, who, who absolutely, you know, he got loose on a breakaway and absolutely could have... Uh, could have gotten Springfield on the board a little sooner, except he ran out of gas, um, and and Primo made the stop. So he talks a bit about uh, what it's like, um, you know, trying to stop a guy like Will Bitten, and also just what his defense has been doing in front of him uh, all season long, and really where he's at in the whole journey of of this past season.
3: No, you just got to stay stay ready for anything. He's a shifty uh, player. He's, he's got the most points on their team uh in the playoffs so um yeah you just uh you know gotta be ready for for anything he's got i think we've been well defensively all all series um tonight was no exception i I mean we did step up but um, i think everyone stepped up their level of play just just because of the um, importance of the game and and what it what it meant but um yeah i think everyone's been dialed in and, and sharp defensively at the beginning of the year i felt Uh, good. I was playing well. Um, obviously, uh, struggled a bit in the, in the middle of the season. Um, but I'm feeling good and seeing the puck well right now. So, um, that's all I can ask for.
2: So the, the reason that, that, uh, Laval is where they are right now is, is the defense. Um, we've heard in every series so far, the opposing coach says, uh, compliments the defense. They're experienced, uh, they don't give up much. Uh, they uh, tight gap. Uh, they can move the puck uh, out of the zone, and uh, all of that is is a benefit for Caden Primo. Um, you know, let's be honest. He didn't have. He had a very disappointing season. He had an awful season in the NHL. He had an underwhelming season in the AHL. And and uh, as such, uh, it it ended up being rather than a two thirds one third split as was planned. you know, he and Poulin um, played roughly half of the the games each. And it was Poulin who, as you mentioned, started the playoffs. That he was the goalie that J.F. Wool was most confident in uh, to start the playoffs. Um, one thing that's improved uh, absolutely is Caden Primo's confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and has he been the best goalie in this series? No, not not at all. Um, but he's he's his numbers are worthy of of top five in the um, in the playoffs, the Calder Cup playoffs. Uh, his confidence is important and that would be absolutely that would be great for him to then go in to next season, uh, dominate the AHL, uh, take two-thirds of, of those starts. Um, but what I worry about is is that you see uh, all over social media, particularly um, both fans and but more more importantly media who have paid no attention to Laval all season, I uh, haven't really watched much of the playoffs, but uh, see Primo's numbers and start talking about um, his place camp. on the, on the Canadians and, yeah. and maybe, you know, the, they can fit him in here as a backup or uh, that again, uh, we're Stop rushing him. We're, we're, yeah, we're getting into, again, I, I remember, um, um, you follow the, the Philadelphia Flyers, the Carter Hart, uh, Carter Hart was given so much praise for that bubble playoff against uh, Montreal. He wasn't very good, but the team was really good in front of him. Um, he got a lot of praise and got catapulted into the the next season. And he was really disappointing. Um, you can't do that. You can't do that. Uh, and I wouldn't want to see that with with Caden Primo.
1: No, I think this is. I think if 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 nothing else. If uh, you know, God forbid, their their bid for the Calder Cup comes up short. If nothing else that they got out of this extended deep run in the playoffs is just Caden Primo getting his mojo back and Caden Primo getting that confidence back and Caden Primo feeling like a confident, solid goaltender again, that yes, he can then take that, build off of it, have a good training camp, and get ready to be the starter, not a 50-50 tandem with Kevin Poulin, but be the starter in the AHL and just annihilate teams with good goaltending in, in the AHL level, then we can start to seriously talk about what that means for the twenty three, twenty-four season in terms of him possibly transitioning to to a backup role at that point. Um but if you choose to if, if you if you if you choose to rush him instead and say, oh great, once again put your hands together. He played well for six weeks. Let's toss him back into the the, the den of wolves and, and put all the pressure on him again you may see a setback again and you may see it crumble and fall apart again. And then you're setting his development back again. So we've always uh, advocated for slow, but steady wins the race when it comes to goaltenders. And we're really just really hoping uh, they can continue to do that. Uh, and that would be a really positive thing that they could pull out of this postseason. Uh, the one piece of unfortunate news, you know, it was interesting. Uh, I was a, a little surprised to see J.F. Wool go back to an eleven-seven formation in last night's game, as it did not work out well for them when he tried it in this series last week. Uh, this time, it, it ended up working out okay, but in fact, uh, he was really playing ten and seven because unfortunately. Uh, about two-thirds of the way through the first period, Yese Ulanin went out with an injury uh, and was not seen again for the rest of the night. In fact, uh, by the time first intermission rolled around, Laval had announced that he would not return to the game. Uh, here is JFO, uh giving us an update on Ulanen's uh, status after the game as well as what it could mean for Wednesday.
3: Yeah, yes, he's going to see the doctors, but uh, it doesn't look good for him for, for now. I, I don't think he'll be able to play on Wednesday. You know, we're going to revisit that tomorrow, but uh, I don't think it's going to be a, an option for us. So, hey, you know, we've had guys step up all year. Um, you know, guys from uh, True Rivers all year came up and, and did well. And we have a lot of extra players right now sitting on the sidelines that could uh, come in and play well. So we, we feel good about that.
2: Well, will he use those extra players? <laughs> uh, listen, uh, you know, it may have kind of worked out uh, last night. We. We, we really won't know if it worked out his 11-7 his uh, format and, as you said, turned into 10-7 um, until the next game because, uh, you know, we'll see how much gas uh, those Laval forwards have. Uh, questionable, questionable decision by J.F. I've praised uh, J.F. Wool. Uh, All season, and and you've heard it on on the press zone. He's made some very very odd uh, moves uh, in um, in this uh, playoff, Um, and 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 what you know he mentioned ECHL players. He seems much more comfortable with ECHL players uh, than his two young uh, CHL players who now who were were fresh. Who were hot, uh, both of them, and now have had the opportunity just to practice and cool off and and uh, get more nervous about uh, playing in uh, in the playoffs. Uh, thought that was odd, you know. Ullinen has been tremendous mm-hmm. uh, in, in and and uh, certainly very dangerous on the power play for uh, Laval. Um, another, I mean the fact that that uh, Belzeal and Bork and jinyak and and all these players are playing up in the top 6 and ulanin has not uh is again um yes those the players above uh are are the the chirpers uh ulanin that's not his game we heard no. we heard him say that and uh and that certainly got out under the skin of of their opponents but Talent wise, um, you want to be promoting those guys, and it's it's unfortunate that uh, the injury now looks to keep him out for Game Seven.
1: That's right, and and Ulanin was actually the right playing right wing on the top line for uh, most of the playoffs, um, and uh, unfortunately, I, I I'm not sure if if it was when. Uh, JFul basically said Springfield started playing heavy that he shifted things around and dropped Ullinen down to the third line, uh, playing with Joel Teasdale and Danek Martel. Um, so we were wishing quick recovery to Jesse Ulenin. Uh, If Laval is able to pull out a win on Wednesday and advance to the Calder Cup final, we certainly hope this injury is not going to be one that will keep him out of action in that. Uh, but we'll have to wait to see how that goes. Um. All right, before we wrap up this segment, just one other piece of information. Uh, The WHL actually finished their season last night with the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, taking the win. And none other than, speaking of, you know, we've been talking about talented young defensemen. Well, Caden Gooley getting very high honors uh, in the WHL, earning the MVP of the WHL playoffs. Pretty great.
2: The Ed Chinoweth Cup, um, that's... uh uh, the, the uh, th- that's, uh, what, uh, he'll be competing for. That's what he, he was able to be named the, um, the, uh, MVP. And, and interesting that, uh, on the Canadians connection on Saturday, we had, uh, uh, an interview, uh, our, we, we played clips of an interview that, uh, he had had with T- TSN and, uh, he was very, Excited about that uh, that game uh, that was coming up, and and they were able to clinch and and move on to the Memorial Cup. Um, we don't know all of the the uh, participants yet. Of course, uh, St. John is the host, so the St. John uh, Sea Dogs will be there. Edmonton Oil Kings, the Shawinigan uh, Cataracts, maybe an under. Uh, an underdog, uh, uh, won the queue, and we're still waiting for the OHL representative uh, that uh, Hamilton-Windsor series tied at uh, 3-3. Um, previous uh, WHA, uh, WHL playoff MVPs uh, include, if you go all the way back to 2005, one Shea Weber uh, mm. and uh, Caden Gooley often compared to him, at least as far as his leadership and physicality uh, goes. So, well done to Caden Gooley, and uh, the honors keep piling up, and and uh, we'll see him in the Memorial Cup.
1: Absolutely, it's it's uh, Caden Gooley is going to be one of the most exciting prospects I think to watch at, at training camp this this fall. Uh, I think he's certainly up to the challenge and up to the task and we'll see uh, we'll see how it all shakes out but congratulations to him what a way to end your season. All right, we're going to take a quick break, uh bring you a message from DraftKings our sponsor. Uh when we come back, Patrick Williams is going to be in the studio with us for this week's AHL Hot Stove segment. We're going to talk about the Western Conference final and how Stockton and Chicago are mixing it up. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Are you looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? Well with DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. And welcome back to the Press Zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Uh, Once again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And hey, are you following us on social media? I certainly hope that you are. But if you aren't, two great places for you to do that. You can follow us at the AHL Report. Uh, That's particularly helpful if you want to follow along with our live in-game updates of every Laval Rocket game Uh, You'll want to be following us at the AHL Report. Uh, You can also follow this podcast at The Press Zone. It's a great way to keep tabs of whenever there is a new episode. Of course, the easiest way to actually do that is if you subscribe to the podcast. Whatever podcast platform is your favorite, just look down. Tap that subscribe button. Takes just a minute uh, to do, uh, and that way you'll never miss an episode when it comes out every Tuesday. Uh, And if you can also share, you know, Tap the subscribe, then right next to it, tap that share button and and share this podcast with your friends and help us to continue growing this community. It is the time that you've been waiting for. Now, I mean, we know that you loved the first segment because you stuck around for the second segment. But I bet you had a bit of an extra incentive because you knew Patrick Williams was going to be joining us for the AHL Hot Stove segment. And sure enough, uh, Patrick is back with us. Uh, in the midst of the Calder Cup playoffs, Patrick, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, <laughs> ushered in by angels.
0: Thank you. It's very, very calming, soothing music.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, our how how are you holding up in in the flurry that is the Calder Cup playoffs?
0: Uh, doing all right. Uh, we're slowly toting along here. It's uh, <laughs> it's weird that it's only mid June and we're not only not of the final, Like the finals, typically by now would be, this would be late. Like this would be if the finals had gone game seven. You mid June typically, and here we are. We're still
1: training. Training camp is starting behind. in two weeks.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, we're. Well, that was funny. It's funny you mentioned that because the uh, Chicago Blackhawks just put out a uh, press release the other day announcing that uh, development camp will begin July 11th. I'm thinking, well, World oh, cup uh, is going to end somewhere around June 29th.
1: And mm. obviously
0: it's not the teams involved, but if you're a hockey fan in Chicago, and let's say the Chicago Wolves go to a game seven of the finals, you could also, what, two weeks later, not even, um, be attending Chicago Blackhawks development camp.
1: My goodness. So, well, no. with,
0: a, with a draft in between. With the,
1: yeah. um, <laughs> World juniors <laughs> just a few weeks after that.
0: Yeah, that's a whole other. Yeah, that's a whole it's other.
1: Actually... Well, speaking yeah, of it's...
2: juniors, the QMJHL put out their schedule today, and we haven't even played a <laughs> Memorial <laughs> Cup.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, and I'm looking went... at my
1: off-season to-do list that's just sitting and mocking me in the corner of my office.
0: And then what June? Uh, what is it? July 13th is when free agency starts, and then uh,
1: yeah. whole
0: shebang. Um, yeah, so off season, what off season?
1: Yeah, <laughs> there ain't no stinking off season. See, well, I'm used.
0: This will probably get me in trouble. I'm used to when I covered the Jets, oh. and I
1: could
0: on almost like clockwork, April seventh or so. The season was done. There are no playoffs, and I went home, <laughs> <laughs> and put my feet up. And, wow! Uh, and
2: you waited a couple of months for summer.
0: Yeah, and the Jets pretty much went <laughs> off their radar till you know sometime around late June with the draft, and you know, and typically they weren't all that active in free agency. So yeah, even in the summertime, it was pretty quiet. So wow, <laughs> yeah, now it's a different world.
1: It's A little different now. Yeah, well, a Rick and I just just uh, kind of broke down the ins and outs of um, the Laval Springfield uh, series in the Eastern Conference B- before we really kind of get into. The new topic of the Western Conference. Just want to get your thoughts on how this series between Laval and Springfield has evolved, and and you know where you kind of just just the things that the observations that you've pulled out of it, uh, particularly leading up into into the game six win by Laval last night.
0: Yeah, it's one of those series where it doesn't feel like any team has ever really been able to sustain any any grip on the series, and even. Yeah, like, like, I look at game five, for example, Springfield won that game, but they were behind 2 nothing, and it, it took everything they had to pull that win out. And it just, you know, they're, they're, there's there been no gimme games, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, a series that goes six, seven games, there's usually that one game where, you know, there's, it's a pretty decisive win for one team or the other. They're really it doesn't feel like there has been in that series. I mean, last night, sure, you looked at the scoreboard and you see a 5-1 score and you're like, all right, that was a blowout. But it really wasn't. I mean, it was one it nothing was after two periods. The, the third period got a little messy for Springfield and you attack on a, a empty netter and then a garbage time goal, you know, final minute or so of play and, you know, 5-1 and it looks like, oh, okay. But no, it was a close game in some ways. In other ways, though, like Springfield came out really flat. So I, I, I found it pretty difficult to get a real sense of this series, you know. And and that's a weird thing, you know, this far into the series search games you usually typically have a pretty good feel for the series and kind of what it's what it's all about and, and, and I don't feel that way with this series and that's why now going into a game 7, I don't I don't feel confident or comfortable or 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 have a good feel for how that game could go i feel like it could go any number of ways it could be a blowout for one side or the other or maybe they could all now really bear down and um really make it you know into one of those like really classic game sevens but i just i haven't felt like springfield's played their game all that well and i feel like they've gotten sucked into the laval rocket style and it's only at times when Springfield's gotten really desperate that they've been able to kind of impose their style. Um, but they've not been able to to make it, make that a consistent part of their game, you know, six games in. So if you haven't figured it out, six games in, are you going to figure it out for game seven? I don't, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Rick, we, we even just kind of talked about this in the last segment that it's, it's really hard to gauge you, you, we thought that for game six, we were going to see a, a pretty fiery, um, you know, Springfield coming out with a lot of gusto have a chance to, to, to take the series. Um, you know, Laval would really be playing kind of desperate backs against the wall hockey, and, and we didn't get either of those things. And so it's really hard to gauge what to expect for game seven
2: well um in in the playoffs you know uh, people who watch these things the media types talk about playoff momentum and it, talk about it in in mythical terms we haven't seen momentum uh really play a, a role at all in this series it's um you know as as we said there's there there's no team who's won two in a row um there's there's teams who have taken leads who've lost the, you know by two goals which should be um, you know, mean something at, in, in, by the time you get this far and, and, uh, um, and they've gone on to lose those games. So it's, it's really, it's, it's odd. And, um, and, and, and even though this is going to be in, in Springfield for game seven, um, as, as, as Patrick said, it's kind of like uh, Springfield's on Laval's turf because they are playing uh, the style that, that uh, at least for the most part that Laval has dictated. Um, And, and, you know, to, to change that, Springfield's going to have to do one of two things or both get their power play going and play physical.
1: I think it's going to be, I, I, I'm hoping that we get a very entertaining game seven. I'd like to see both teams show up in full force Uh, With their full capabilities and everything in their toolbox, all systems firing, uh, because I'd really like to see someone truly, truly just earn that trip to the Calder Cup final. So, you know, it's going to be fun to watch for sure. But Patrick, let's um, let's get your thoughts since since I know we've been so busy, you know, paying attention to to what's going on in Laval and covering that uh, doesn't leave a whole lot of time for. Uh, for us to focus on the Stockton versus Chicago series, but from the looks of it, Stockton's not going down easy.
0: No, yeah, it's, it's uh, one of those series, I guess, because it's on the West Coast and the games are later. And um, obviously, the Laval Rocket tend to occupy a lot of the oxygen uh, in the league right now. And, uh, but it's been a great series. Uh, Stockton, you're right, they're not going down easily. Back to back games now over time facing elimination they've gone in and taken wins um and I, I what I've been struck is just how composed they are under those circumstances uh you would think you know you're fighting for your season on back-to-back nights uh you're in overtime and you're up against the Chicago Wolves and yeah here you are I mean players who are maybe first second year pros who are out there playing like they're 10-year veterans and uh, very composed very calm um so that's the thing I've really been able to take away from Stockton with Chicago I, I I just find it interesting because they 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 face so little turbulence not only in, in the playoffs but you know all the way really through the regular season uh, they were dominant pretty much from start to finish um they they went right through the rockford ice Hodge like like nothing and then uh they lost one game to Milwaukee but that was a game where they put up 49 shots and they just Ran into Devin Cooley, hot goaltender that night, but uh, now they're they're really facing some pushback, and uh, I think for Chicago, there's a little bit of frustration creeping into their game. Uh, the penalties have been an issue for them uh, the past two nights, uh, especially now. Stockton's power play has not really been able to get uh, on track, which has been kind of a weird storyline across both series is um, the lack of power play success. But um, nevertheless, even when you're if you're going shorthanded. Uh, That that often you're 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 certainly disrupting your 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 bench you're you're obviously you're taxing your penalty killers. So uh, there's that effect. So now you're coming into a game six uh, tonight Tuesday night uh, potential game seven a night later Uh, Chicago's undefeated at home in the in the playoffs and also the best home record in the regular season. So if you're Stockton now you got to try to somehow pull out back to back wins in that building against that team. And I don't know, like, that's, that's a massive order. Um, then again, uh, in some ways, if you're stocking you're sort of now like, you're playing with house money and um, you, you've you come this far, right? So um, maybe you're in the Chicago's head a little bit. It's hard to say. And I, I think that's one of the differences with the Stanley Cup and the Carter Cup playoffs is, we don't necessarily have as much sense of uh, kind of where the teams are in, in their in their headspace and mentally because you don't just have that same level of coverage and exposure. Uh, so it's a little bit more of a, a wild card in that sense. Um, but uh, this could be a game tonight where I think either Chicago, they come out and they, they blow them off the ice the first 20 minutes and hang three goals and, and, and assert themselves. Or this becomes a little bit more of a, a tug of war. And I think that's when that really starts to favor Stockton. And then if you go into a game seven, then you have to go take the momentum, then is with Stockton, right? So it's been a great series so far. I mean, just uh, a real, a great kind of combination of, of elite high end veterans in this league, mixed in with some really excellent prospects. Obviously, Dustin Wolf, Jacob Peltier. Um, yeah, Kochikov come uh, back from Carolina to play for Chicago. So that's an interesting little twist with him and Alex Lyon taking uh, alternating starts. So uh, just a, a great mix of, of kind of the two things that I make I think make this league at it or you know when it's at its best is when you have those top tier veterans playing with future bona fide NHL talent like a Jack Drury in Chicago for example, or a Peltier or a Wolfer. Or so on and so forth. So, it's been a real fantastic series, and I think whoever comes out of the east, um, they're going to be going right into the teeth of a uh, a very very dangerous opponent.
2: I think one of the things, um, whether whether it's the east or west, uh, we've seen pretty good goaltending, certainly in the Eastern mm-hmm. Conference Final with Caden Primo or Charlie Lindgren or Joel Hofer. Uh, but talk a little bit about uh, that uh, the Western matchup, and and you referred to some of them there. Uh, Dustin Wolf, Alex Lyon, Kochikov Ko- coming back from Carolina. How has that played out, um, the goaltending match- matchup for those two teams?
0: Well, it's been interesting with Chicago because that was Alex Lyon's net for the first two rounds, and it was didn't miss a beat. Um, and then you have Kochikov come back, coupled with a, a schedule in which they had uh, four games and six nights plus travel. Out to the West Coast, uh, so that kind of forced head coach Ryan Worsoski's hand to to use both goaltenders. And I don't know if I don't know how I feel about that because you know they were kind of in a, in a groove there with with Alex Line and and Rakoff has certainly been solid, but just it is just a little bit different, um, not having that that rhythm. So so that's that's the Chicago side of things. Uh, as far as Dustin Wolf, I mean. Well, I mean, he had set the bar so high, he was coming off three shutouts in the previous round against Chicago in four games, or I mean against Colorado in four games. Um, He's been very solid ever since. It was a little bit of a bumpy start, uh, I guess, by his standards in in game one, five goals, Uh, but in a lot of ways he was still quite solid in that game. And ever since then, uh, he's he's settled right in. So he's, you know, for example, 37 saves um, in game five, against Chicago, um, you know, including overtime, um, you're doing that against the number one, um, you know, for my money, the number one, you know, offensive group in the league. Um, I think this says a lot about where your game's at. And, you know, so he was first all-star team. He was all rookie team and he was, uh, the top goaltender award, uh, this year as a, as a 20 year old seventh round pick, which I, I still, every time I kind of bring that up it's just <laughs> it's amazing to think right like you think of seventh round pick I mean you know those typically if those players are even you know signed at best you would have paid him for an ECHL role just by the, you know but obviously he had had such a fantastic junior career back-to-back WHL goalie of the year award and now he did it again in the AHL and so uh, his stock has just risen so much and uh, just a real unflappable um, young 21 year old. It doesn't seem like much bothers him either way. And um, yeah, he looks like, frankly, the future number one gold hunter in the, in, with the Calgary Flames, either, you know, probably not as soon as next year, but certainly, uh, you know, a few years down the road. Um, I'd be shocked at this point based on the trajectory of his career. Um, if he is where he is right now, I mean that you know he can't be a number one at the NHL level.
1: Who says the AHL isn't fun to watch? I don't know who they're talking about. <laughs> There's such great stories uh, in the AHL, and uh, it's some seeing some of these these top prospects really start to shine uh, this deep in the playoff run uh, just kind of gets you excited for what's for what's coming up in the next generation of of the NHL. Um, well, I think it certainly seems that. Regardless of which series you're really uh, keyed in on Eastern conference or Western conference, uh, it's going to be a battle to the bitter end and we'll know within the next 24 to 48 hours who it's going to be facing off uh, against each other in the Calder cup final. Um, Patrick, we appreciate you being here again. Always enjoy your insight. Try to get some sleep in between all of the craziness with the playoffs.
0: Will do. Thank you.
1: (laughs) And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Whew. Well, Rick, uh, I think it's going to be an intense week. There's a lot on the line in the AHL this week, and uh, the fates of many are going to be determined in the next 24 to 48 hours. It's nuts,
2: no doubt. Um, and and then once uh, the Calder Cup final begins, it gets more intense, and uh, uh, these the the two teams will be meeting um, for the first time um, this season. So it it's it's. Uh, it's a, an amazing time of year.
1: It is. So bookmark AHLReport.com. We'll continue to bring you all the coverage of uh, all of the um, Laval journey through the Calder cup playoffs. A big thank you to Patrick Williams for joining us again today. He's been hard at work throughout the playoffs, really keeping uh, his tabs on every team and every series since the postseason began. Uh, he's got some some great feature stories over at the AHL's website uh, and so forth. So thank you to him. As far as our coverage of the Laval Rocket, you know that we've got you uh, covered from A to Z, top to bottom. Uh, we'll continue to bring you live in-game coverage at the AHL Report on Twitter. Uh, you can also, of course, check out our full comprehensive post-game recaps of each game. Uh, there, you know, you'll get a game report in summary, you'll get stats, you'll get video highlights, plus audio from post-game interviews, uh, either done by Chris G or myself, uh, with, uh, LaValle and sometimes Springfield's, uh, coaches and players and so forth. So don't miss out on any of that there. Uh, as you know, right now, We've got one game and one game only sitting on the schedule, and it's a big one. So Wednesday night is Game 7, Laval versus Springfield. Don't uh, miss it. Join us for that coverage uh, on social media. And if you're looking for some, uh, some other Habs news or content to consume because you just are missing those Montreal Canadians uh, subscribe to the all Habs YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash all Habs and be sure you subscribe so you can uh, come and join me every Thursday for the Habs hockey report show. Uh, And we'll talk about the Habs. We'll talk about uh, the Laval rocket. We'll do lots of fan interactions. So it's a, it's a fun YouTube show uh, every Thursday. So be sure to subscribe. And then Rick, The Canadians Connection podcast will be here before you know it.
2: On Saturday, every Saturday, the Canadians Connection podcast, last Saturday... Uh, I promised, I, I said it was signing season, and I promised there'd be a signing to talk about. And we already have, it's only Tuesday, we already have one, Otto Leskinen, we'll be talking about that on the Canadians Connection. And I'm sure there'll be lots of other news to talk about for the Montreal Canadiens as well.
1: That's right. So uh, if you're not subscribed to that podcast, it comes out every Saturday. It's hosted by Rick and Michael Spinella. Uh, this past Saturday, I actually got to sit in as co-host uh, as Michael Spinella was out of town. So if you'd like to subscribe and check out that podcast, go to CanadiansConnection.fm and uh, just uh, buckle up and get ready. It's, uh, it's sure to be exciting and we are going to get to work covering all that hockey for you. Uh, you enjoy your week. Enjoy the hockey as well. And we'll see you back here next Tuesday for another great episode of The Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Radio.